0: Hey y'all welcome back to another episode of chats in the blog cabin the show where i invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life i'm melissa and i'm your host today i'm chatting with sarah and Reed. she is a pet trainer and so since it's women histories month and i'm trying to diversify and show you a little bit of characteristics of women that do all these different things i thought it would be perfect to show you women that do different um careers and pet training is definitely a different career so i hope you really enjoy this episode with her and you know what i need you to do right now that's right start listening Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I am joined by pet trainer, Sarah Ann. And Sarah and I are going to be talking about how pets can actually suffer from seasonal, from sad seasonal affective disorder. But we're also going to talk about rescues and how pit bulls get a bad name. So we are just talking about Gigi, our rescue, uh, who just actually, I just posted about her on Instagram, she may have been the do- may not have been the dog I would have chosen for our family, but was the God, the dog God chose for our family. So, Sarah, before we get into talking about all things pet, tell us a little about yourself.
1: Sure. And and I wanted to, um, before we get started, I go by Sarah Ann. <laughs> we should have spoken about that before we started. Um, I, I so appreciate being invited to to be here today, Melissa. I'm Sarah Ann Reed with um, Pack Dynamics. And I'm a holistic dog trainer and animal communicator, and I specialize in helping dogs with behavioral issues, just like we were talking about with Gigi earlier. Um, in the past year, I became a consultant for Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, and I write blogs for, or posts for them on their blog. I serve as an expert and resource and really an educational tool with Healthy Paws um, in front of their pet parent audience.
0: So let's talk about the sad pets get sad too. What exactly is that?
1: Well, um, it's such an interesting topic because with seasonal affective disorder, you know, we think about humans, um, getting depressed and having fatigue, um, just wanting to stay, stay under the covers all day instead of get up and go about their day. And, a lot of humans will think that their dogs suffer from sad too. And in fact, that's
0: not really the case. So what is it then? Where are the dogs suffering from then?
1: Uh, Dogs are so sensitive, so they're sensitive to their environment. They're sensitive to, you know, sometimes changes in their environment. Um, They have their own sensitivities, so if a dog has been abused in the past, um, sometimes when a dog reacts by lunging or growling or even biting, it's it's really like the dog having the equivalent of a a panic attack. Um, And dogs are very sensitive to what we're thinking, how we're feeling, what we're projecting onto them. So however we label our dog, they'll live up to it just like children do. Um, and so with that long answer, um, dogs really don't suffer from sad. What they're doing is reflecting back what the humans are feeling because they're so sensitive and they just soak it up. Um, about 90% of the dogs that I work with are highly sensitive because not every dog is the same, just like us. Some people. Um, maybe say, Oh, I don't really like going out in crowds very much because it really exhausts me. I just feel all of the energy of everyone around me. Some dogs are that way. They're so sensitive um, to the humans around them. And they soak all of that energy up like a sponge. So where a human might feel like, Oh, my goodness, my dog is really depressed too, just like I am, because we can't get out you know, and go for a walk after 430 at night because it's so dark and we can't do all the fun things that we usually do in the spring and summer. That's not really what's happening. The dog is feeling the human's energy and responding to that.
0: So what can we do to help our pets or help our fur babies? I I don't call them pets. I call them fur babies because they are babies. What can we do to help them then? And I agree with that. I don't,
1: believe in being a dog owner because we can't own another being. Um, and we're on, we're their pet parents or their guardians. And um, the way that we can help them really is by practicing self care. So if if you're someone that has a really hard time when the seasons change, and the days get so much shorter, instead of um, kind of hunkering down on the couch and watching reruns or are just sitting there watching netflix all night if you um if you can do something that that makes you feel good that's inspiring maybe you've always wanted to learn to play the piano or take up knitting or maybe you're not really into arts and crafts but you love playing games getting together with with family and sitting around the table and playing games all night can be so so um, recharging for us, it can really make a difference. Or you know, for some people, they say, "Well, you know what really fills me up is is going out and making a difference in the world. Find a way to do that that really resonates with you. Whether it's volunteering somewhere or advocating um, for someone or reaching out to a family in need, whatever feels good." And so surprising. Um, how much energy that gives us when we feel like we have a mission and we're making a difference or we're learning something that we've always wanted to do. It's a great opportunity during that time. There's some other things as well as self care, and self care can be as simple as um, I'm going to give myself permission to have a bubble bath and light some candles and have some relaxing music. And uh, maybe the other um, parent in the home can take care of the kids for an hour, and you call it a mini vacation, <laughs> and you just shut <laughs> yourself in and let everybody know, uh, you know, mom's mom's not here for the next hour. Go to someone else if you you know have any questions. If you're able to do that, sometimes just knowing that you have that hour in the evening to yourself can make a big difference. Or If you love to read, having a novel that you love and you can look forward to kind of stepping into that other world or even I know it's extra challenging for everybody right now with the pandemic, but Mm -hmm. uh, reaching out and calling a friend or even a text message or doing a Zoom call so that you still feel connected because during these winter months, with so many restrictions on on getting together with other people I think it's hitting everyone a little harder than it usually does
0: so what would you suggest to do for your fur babies like something special that you can do with your fur babies sure
1: Um, there are so many fun things that that you can do with with your fur babies in the evening Um, there's great puzzle toys out there that are really interactive um, and and I play puzzle toys with my my dog is called Tootsie. Um, <laughs> she's a little English bulldog and we play games every night together. I sit on the ground with her and she has all these different tricks that she's learned that she just loves to do. So I'll ask her to do several tricks and then I'll fill up one of her puzzle toys with treats. And instead of just having the same treats that I give her all the time. I usually have a variety of like five different kinds of treats that she has some sweet treats and you know, maybe um, apple and pumpkin cookies and then maybe a um, like a lamb and a turkey jerky and just fill it up with different kinds of treats. And after she's done a few tricks, which she loves doing, then then I let her, you know, play with that puzzle toy and we go through different puzzles. and. She has so much fun doing this, it's just adorable. Uh, The other thing that you can do, it's a fun game that that she also loves to play. If your dog loves squeaky toys and you're not able to go into the yard because it's too cold out there um, or you just don't wanna be out there in the dark at night, you can play um, a game where you um, take a squeaky toy and you take one of their blankets and you spread it out on the ground and you squeak the toy and then hide it under the blanket and ask them to find it and so they dig at the blanket trying to get the toy out and it can be so just so much fun watching them try to get that toy
0: <laughs> no i have a question because we actually actually we, right before before we came on we have a little teeny tiny shih tzu and then we have a cross yeah. between a pit bull and a, and uh American bulldog. And so one's really teeny tiny. I mean, she was like the run of the litter. She's like this big. I mean, yeah. yeah. The difference in them playing Gigi's very hyper. Allie's 10. So she's older. She's like, not, yeah. she's not into all that, but Gigi wow. tends to not keep a toy very long before she has destroyed it. So how, <laughs> what toys can we get? for Gigi especially, so she not destroy a toy because she loves her toys, but she destroys it. And then she gets very upset about toys,
1: (laughs) but she doesn't have the toy anymore because she destroyed it. Mm -hmm. Yep. What you could do is have certain toys that are um, like a little harder that she can't um, destroy. Like, have you tried something like, um, and these, this isn't really a toy, but it's like, um, a nyla bone or an antler, something for her to chew on. Have you
0: tried those? Uh huh. And she still kind of almost destroyed them. She's got oh. balls and she destroys the balls. She's destroyed. She loves the stuffed animal. My daughter has taken it and sewn it up and she enjoys it again and she takes it and destroys it. We have to literally separate the two toys because she'll get allies and start destroying it. And allies has toys that she's had since she was a baby and she's 10 so it's like uh, oh. uh, no no that's Allie's.
1: <laughs> oh yeah well sometimes if the dog tends to destroy the toys and i know it might it might seem uh, you know a little bit unfair but you might have to play with the toys with Gigi for a little while and then once the game is finished like you hide the toy under the blanket and when the game is finished the toy goes up and out of sight Sometimes you have to do that with dogs. You know, some dogs like little Allie that, you know, 10 years old and she's had the same toys that are her favorites for years um, and they, you know, some dogs will do that. They'll carry around the same toy for forever and um, it's like they're a little pacifier almost and they just feel better when they have it. It can be so upsetting when your big sister comes along and shreds it and then you don't have that special toy anymore. So sometimes... Um it's best if you keep playtime separate and you bring Allie's toys out and she gets her special playtime maybe when Gigi's out playing in the yard or in another room and then Gigi gets her special playtime and especially when and how old is Gigi? Gigi is three so she's a lot younger uh, than Allie. <laughs> a lot younger she's in that age where she's got a lot of energy and she wants to play all the time and I bet Allie um kind of feels maybe like the 80 year old grandma that says okay i like to play for a little while and then then i've just had enough yeah
0: we we call her the couch potato
1: (laughs) (laughs) well and it's kind of like having you know a a a four-year-old little girl and then um a 70 year old 80 year old woman you you they they like to do different things so playtime is going to be different with Allie than it is with Gigi. Um, and whereas like with puzzle toys, maybe with uh, with Allie you just fill up the puzzle toys and she just gets to go have her yummy treats without having to work for it too much. <laughs> but with Gigi, because she loves playing games, you teach her these different tricks and she has fun doing that. Another fun game that, that you can play is hide and seek with your dog. Um, And it's also teaching them um, to be really responsive when, when you ask them to come. So first you would work with them on sit and stay and recall like asking them to come to you and you get you want to start with asking them to sit and stay and taking just one step back and then going back to them so they understand what stay means. And then you get further and further back from them and Eventually, you should be able to go kind of maybe to the other end of the room and have them still sit and stay until you call them. And before you start going out of sight, it's helpful if you can ask them to sit and stay in the center and then you walk around them. Um, And you might, you know, as they're sitting in the center, you, you walk around them in a circle but they're not, they can move their head, but they're not allowed to move their whole body, which can be really difficult. So that takes a lot of self-control too. And sometimes dogs can't even handle you walking in a circle around them. You, you have to do like a half circle and come back to them. But if you can work on that and then eventually get to where your dog can sit and stay while you go around the corner, You can slowly make it a little bit more challenging for them ask them to sit and stay for example in the living room go hide in the bedroom and then ask them to come (laughs) and it can be so much fun for them and i always give them a treat when they come just because i feel like they've earned it and makes the game a lot more fun you know um but there's you know playing hide and seek with them can be really fun and And any time that you're teaching them something, even like recall, it shouldn't be considered this, you know, you don't need to talk to them with a stern tone or get upset when they make a mistake. You just keep it really light and just short training sessions, no longer than like a minute and a half to two minutes at first Mm -hmm. until it's really easy for them you know, because when a dog has no idea what you're asking them to do, we just need to be very patient and kind with them as we're helping them learn. It should be a fun experience for everybody.
0: Now, before we came on, you told me why you started working with pets. So give us your background, because I think that was really cool. You didn't originally start working with pets to begin with. So give us that background. Yeah, I
1: didn't. I originally worked with Humans doing um, counseling. So, I have a background in human psychology. And I remember being out walking with my dogs one day. And I had done, I had some behavioral issues with my own dogs. And I thought, I really want to find a way to help them. And I looked around at the different options and I found that a lot of approaches were based on dominance and controlling dogs and being really stern with them using, you know, choke chains and shock collars and squirt bottles and all kinds of things like that. And I thought there has to be a better way. There's got to be a way that we can communicate with our dogs and help them learn from a place of kindness and respect and understanding. So I did a lot of research and, um, actually i ended up traveling over to england and learning from a lady that discovered the the language and culture of dogs and went through her whole program the graduate program and that was gosh like 15 years ago now um so i have been specializing with um and help with helping dogs really for the last 13 years and everything that i learned um, you know, 15 years ago, I've really taken it and evolved it so much because you know, our relationship with our dogs is there's so many aspects to all of it. Um, and and people think of behavioral issues as being, you know, maybe the dog is being difficult or they're labeled as an aggressive dog or, They think that they're not really adoptable, and that's not the case. I have found that um, when dogs are, they have separation anxiety, or even, you know, um, growling at other dogs in the home, or maybe biting the kids. Um, There are so many things that contribute towards the behavior. There's the dog's past experience, and every dog gets stressed and afraid. Um, of different things, and they all deal with it differently. Dogs learn differently, their ability to focus is different. Their personalities are all individual. And if a dog has gone through any kind of trauma, um, witnessing abuse to other dogs, um, you know, there's so many dogs that come from hoarding situations, um, breeding dogs that aren't treated very well, um, even witnessing, you know, abuse to a human in the home can be very stressful too, or neglect. But there's so many different things that can happen. These traumatize our dogs, and a lot of times, as humans, we think, "I'll adopt the dog, I'll bring them into my home, and I'm going to love them so much. I'll feed them really healthy food. I'll t- I'll give them tons of exercise and play with them." And then everything will be fine. And that's really not the case because the dog is still dealing with the trauma. And then if we, on top of that, then start to have doubts and we feel insecure and we, feel, we, we lack confidence in helping our dog and we think, oh my goodness, I've tried everything and I don't know what to do. Um, then the dog feels that insecurity from us and then any stress or or panicky feelings, any fear that they have just intensifies, because then they feel like you're not going to keep them, you know, and so it just keeps going round and round. And the key to helping our dogs is understanding them as a different species, because, you know, we we love them so much, they're our furry kids. And we think that if we communicate with them, like we would a child by explaining to them and comforting them when they're when they're nervous, that will help them feel better, but it actually confuses them even more. And and just like, you know, this topic of seasonal affective disorder, um, so many people think, oh, my dog has it too, you know? And of course we think that because if if your dog was in human form, the the child probably would have, you know, seasonal affective disorder as well. Um, But dogs are, so sensitive to our emotions so as well as like practicing self-care that i was mentioning earlier being aware of what you're thinking and how you're feeling um, and just really having that personal awareness can make such a huge difference for your dog um, so for example i was doing a training session with a client and her dog has um, was uh, is a rescue dog. um, Had separation anxiety, and we were practicing addressing that separation anxiety. So I was having her get up from the living room, walk outside her front door, go out of sight for thirty seconds, and just come back back in again to see how her dog was going to respond. And. And we were um I do several sessions with clients in their home because nothing happens overnight. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's more people training that I do
0: um, dog training.
1: <laughs> and the time before that we had practiced, her dog had done pretty well, got to the point to where he could just relax while she was gone. Well, this particular day, this sweet, sweet boy, and he's a, a pit bull mix, mm-hmm. he was um it was like there was um, a trampoline underneath him. Um, At the top of her door was glass. And so he was jumping off the ground as high as he could to try to see out the glass when she was gone. Mm. And, And I, she came, I had her come and go a few times and then I had her sit down and I said, okay, what kind, have you had a difficult morning this morning because he seems very stressed out. And she said, Oh, I've had the most awful morning. It was really stressful with work. And then I had a phone call that really upset me and I'm still kind of flustered and I'm kind of mad at the person. And I said, okay, we did a short little little coaching session for the person, you know? <laughs> and so I said, well, that's not happening right now, you know, and um, can you bring your attention to the present moment? and what's really important here because your dog is feeling your energy knows that you're stressed out and you're very upset and that's why your dog is leaping off the ground and so stressed out compared to last time where where he wasn't really very worried about you when you left and so about 15 minutes later i kind of walked her through um a a short process she was feeling a lot better and i could feel her energy that that she was much more grounded in herself she felt more relaxed and she was kind of reclaiming her power again then i had her come and go from the house and it was like night and day difference wow so it's these little things that make a big difference and as humans i found that we usually worry about things and stress about things that we have no control over And there are usually things that are in the future that we can't possibly predict. You know, so if we can just practice, um, there are several things that I recommend practicing every morning, waking up and um, listing the things that you feel appreciative for. Um, And there's a difference in gratitude and appreciation. There's a slight difference in that energy. So in gratitude, there's a, almost a feeling of having to deserve it. And in appreciation, there's just, I just appreciate it. I don't need to do anything or be a certain way to have this. And it might be, I appreciate my home and I appreciate my family and I appreciate my dog. And I appreciate when my dog lets me know that I'm out of balance, you know, and I am feeling stressed out and just approaching it from that perspective and listing off everything that you appreciate. And if you feel that you're feeling a bit low, um, really pay attention to what am I focusing on right right now? Am I thinking about everything that I wish I could be doing? Well, what if I really um, looked at that from a different perspective and I thought about what can I do now? What can I do then now that's gonna fill me up and really help me to feel good about how I'm spending my time? Um, That can make such a big difference. And like we were talking about earlier, it might be um, starting a hobby that you've always wanted to do or sitting down and writing those letters to people that mean so much to you and really telling them how much they mean to you. Because, you know, in our world of technology, we don't receive letters very much anymore. And it, it means so much when we receive them you know, to know that someone took the time to sit and write down um, how much we mean to them in their life. And so there's simple things like that. Um, and, you know, with with our dogs and if, if we really approach, and I know we're kind of going into different topics here, there's so many things I have to share. <laughs> Um, If instead of feeling so frustrated that your dog is now demanding more attention when you feel completely overwhelmed and stressed out, all you want to do is just sit and relax. Um, Usually, if if you're feeling like that and your dog is very sensitive and tuned into your energy and emotions, they will reflect back your feelings and say and they might show that in being very demanding in your attention whining for attention coming over and dropping the ball at your feet over and over and over again um, they might be barking more at everything outside um, separation anxiety could get 10 times worse because now you're not only stressed out when you're home but every time you leave the house, you're showing, um, you know, you're, you're really exuding this stress and anxiety and your dog doesn't think that you're stressed out about going to work or worried about, about a friend that's been sick or feeling overwhelmed with all everything on your to-do list.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All they know is that you're stressed out and from your dog's perspective, it has to be because you're worried about dying and not being able to handle yourself when you leave the house. So, separation anxiety, excessive barking can increase, demanding attention, following you around the house. All of these things can really intensify when we're not really honoring our true self and practicing self care and healthy boundaries for ourselves. And especially as women, we tend to give so much mm-hmm. and we forget that we need to be on the list too. <laughs> You know, and so if your dog is reacting like that, instead of getting frustrated and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this on top of everything else that I'm going through. If you can stop for a minute and say, wow, what a gift this is. My dog is letting me know and reflecting back my emotion that I really need to practice in self-care right now. And how have I been not really honoring myself? Have I been spreading myself a bit too thin? Maybe it's time for me to do a little bit less in this one area and give myself a little bit more breathing space. And when you can approach it from that perspective um, with this really sense of appreciation, thank you so much for being such a great friend that you're always so honest with me, my, my furry kid that you let me know when I need to take a break. (laughs) And and just doing that and not feeling guilty. You know, don't feel guilty about taking a break. Um, It's much better for your relationship with your dog if you give yourself the night off from taking them for a walk. If you come home from work and you just feel absolutely exhausted and you think, oh, I have to take the dog for a walk, but I really can't do it. I'm so exhausted. I wish I could take a bubble bath. I wish I could just sit down and read my book for two hours, do what you need to do for yourself. And even if you only have 45 minutes later on in the evening with your dog to sit and play some puzzle toys, that experience not only for you, but for your dog will be um, so much better because you'll be present with your dog instead of your dog feeling like you're not really there. And, and I, we've all had experiences where we sit and have a conversation with someone and they're not really invested or, you know, really engaging with us. And and it, it doesn't feel very good. So imagine how that feels for your for your dog. And then your sweet dog is trying to do the most loving thing and say, hey, mom, um, you, you forgot to practice self-care this week. You need to just have a little break. And we're getting upset with them for reminding us. Then they get even more stressed out because they're they're we're not hearing the message that they're trying to share with us. Does all of that well, make
0: sense? <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. Now let's talk about like a lot of us were working from home, but now there's yeah. transitioning where we're going back into the workplace. A lot of workplaces are opening back up. So now the dogs are stuff so, they're so used to us being at home, but now all of a sudden mom, dads are going back to work. So that our fur babies are having that kind of like, okay, what's going on here? It's almost like you wish that they could actually open up their mouths and talk to us and have a voice so they could tell us how they were feeling and what they needed from us, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's really difficult for dogs because they get kind of used to the routine. And if you've been home every day and you can stop in the middle of your workday and throw the ball for them and um, they're used to just maybe laying Laying at your feet, uh, you know, at the desk, and now all of a sudden you're going back to work and the kids are going back to school. It can be very stressful. Um, and this can, if your dog has um, any separation anxiety, uh, it, it can intensify that. And separation anxiety can look a lot of different ways. So if your dog follows you to the door when you leave, and they sit there and they look out the window as your car pulls out of the driveway, that's separation anxiety. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, Or if your dog um, shadows you around the house, you can't even walk into the bathroom without the dog following you in there. That's another form of separation anxiety, as well as more of an extreme case where the dog is pulling out the drywall or scratching at the doorframe trying to follow you or howling while you're gone or destroying the bedding while you're gone. Um, And people don't realize that separation anxiety has so many different forms. Um, Another way to tell if your dog has separation anxiety is if you come back in the house and they run over to you um, and just jumping up and coming into your space. A lot of people think that Oh, they're so excited to see me and they're coming up to say hello just like a child would in fact it's actually the opposite your dog is rushing over to assess you and say oh my goodness where have you been what did you do what happened while you were gone were you able to find food are you injured let me come over and, and assess you and smell you um and that can be kind of a hard one to get to get our mind around but for dogs we're either the the equivalent of the leader or the puppy right and um, the adult or the two-year-old and if we're not communicating to them that we're in fact their their dog parent their guardian in a way that makes sense to them we contribute towards the behavioral issues and actually create them in a lot of cases like with separation anxiety if you look at your dog and say goodbye to them and you give them a snuggle before you leave, um, I'll be back and I'll bring you a bone tonight, it's going to be a yummy treat for you, your dog doesn't hear that because they don't speak English <laughs> <laughs> because they're canine and what your dog really hears is, oh my goodness, I have to go into that scary wide world and there's so many threats out there and I can't handle myself and I wish you could go with me. And they say, "I know it's scary. I try to warn you about those threats all day long, <laughs> <laughs> right?" And then every time we come home, we just confirm that we almost died out there. <laughs> um, so if you think about it, like um, let's say um, you're you're babysitting a two-year-old child for the for the weekend, and you're spending time with them in the living room, and you pop into the kitchen to get them another drink. When you come back into the living room, they're not anywhere in the house, and you see them toddling down the street, and you cannot go after them. You you can't go after them, you can't get out of the house. Um, you're, gonna worry. you're gonna worry about them. You're gonna say, oh my gosh, they don't know how to ask for help. They don't know the phone number. They don't know the address. There's so many things that could happen to them. I don't even know if they're gonna make it back. It would just be this feeling of absolute panic. And that's how our dogs feel when they have separation anxiety. And let's say this two-year-old child miraculously made it back to your house and they showed up at your front door and knocked on the door, you wouldn't say, oh, good, you're back. Are you hungry? Would, um, you know, would you like something to eat? Let me make you something. You would say, oh my goodness, honey, where have you been? What happened? Let me check you. Is everything okay? And that's really what our dogs are doing, right? So, um, and before sharing like what to do, I just really wanted to explain like what separation anxiety is from our dog's perspective because people have no idea. Um, and if you look at them or talk to them, and say hello at the moment that you come home, you're confirming that you you barely made it back with your life, you know? So the way that you can help them is by loving them enough to communicate in a way that makes sense to your dog. And it's very counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what you would do with a child, which is why there are so many dogs out there with separation anxiety. Um, So when you leave, you just get up and you walk through the front door and you don't say goodbye to them. You don't want to, some people will say, oh, I I worked with a trainer a year ago, and they told me to to give my dog a Kong filled with kibble and peanut butter. Well, that doesn't work, because usually the dog won't eat anything while you're gone, right? And and if they do, they're still going to be in a panic when they realize that you're gone. So it's not about distracting them. It's about changing their mind about who's leaving. You want to let them know, I'm your dog. I'm the dog parent leaving. I can handle myself out there. I'm not worried about anything. And you do that by just not acknowledging them when you leave, so you just leave through the front door, garage door, and when you come home, you, you just wait for a little while to say hello. You can say hello to them, but you want to walk into the house like, you're the queen entering the castle. You know, the queen is back, Everybody, move out of my space, you don't acknowledge them until they stop trying to get your attention for a good three minutes, which can feel like a really long time in the beginning, yeah. um, they might come up and try to bring you a toy and say, "Look at me! I've got your! I've got this really great toy." Or they might come over and try to nudge you, or be jumping up or barking, because they're so excited. But if you acknowledge them during that time, that convinces them that you really don't know what you're doing. Um, so all you have to do is wait until they stop trying to get your attention, including looking at you for a good three minutes. And so that can be pretty easy to do. You bring home the groceries, you put the groceries away and then you say hi to your dog. Or you come home, and you turn on the kettle and you hang up your coat and maybe answer a text message or two and wait until they've completely given up. And then you can call them over and, and give them a hello snuggle. Um, if you Just by coming and going um, the way that you normally do, let's say to come and go to work each day and then maybe run an errand a few times a week, that's not enough times of coming and going to really resolve separation anxiety. The way that you can resolve it is by coming and going in repetition. Um, So for example, let's say that there's a commercial break. (laughs) um you come in and out of the house three times in a row so let's say you leave through the garage you get up you walk into the garage you want to be a little further back so they can't smell you from under the door and when you come back in you don't look at them you don't talk to them you just come back in and you sit back on the couch and then you get up in 20 seconds and you leave again you're you're only gone for 30 seconds Um, Because it's not about the amount of time that you're gone, it's how are you leaving and how are you returning that's going to make the difference. So the best time to practice is when you actually go to work. If you take several things with you, like your purse and your coffee cup and a lunchbox or something, you take each thing out to the car separately. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or you come home from work, you bring each thing in separately, Um, you... You know, dinner is in the oven, you go out to get the mail, you bring it in, put it on the counter, leave four more times. So I always recommend to clients to practice this, the coming and going at least 20 times a day until the separation anxiety has been resolved. And it might be twice a day, you come and go 10 times in a row or four times a day, you come and go five times. But um, the separation anxiety is not something that can be resolved quickly because at the core of it is this true belief that they're worried that you could die every time you leave the house, which is mm-hmm. so, what a traumatic thing for them to have to go through. Um, so before you go back to work, if you can just practice doing this over and over and over again, it will really make a difference. But keep in mind that it can take months to resolve separation anxiety. It's not gonna happen overnight. Wow. <laughs> I know that's a really big answer, but there, there's so much to all of it. And there's even more that I could share, but those are kind of the basic things.
0: <laughs> now, let's get into how some breeds get bad raps. Like, like when I was talking about Gigi being a pit bull mix, you know, pit bulls yeah. really get a bad rap. And you look at her and people, like, are really scared of her. Honestly, in our house, I would be more scared of Allie or Shih Tzu than I would Gigi or Pitbull, even though Gigi has the harsher bark Allie will turn on you in a dime i mean literally you can be petting on her and the next minute she's like and she's about ready to bite your head off so let's talk about how some breeds get a bad rap
1: oh absolutely pit bulls get the worst rap ever you know and it's so unfair because you know just because there are people out there that use them to fight doesn't mean that there are. Automatically going to be this aggressive dog, and because they're because of the way that they're built, they're they're really stocky and they look like they could cause a lot of damage. Um, whereas, you know, uh, like especially like Rottwe- Rottweilers get a bad rap. You know, um, there's so many breeds out there, but honestly, in all of my experience, any dog of any breed. Um, some of my clients, their dogs are such a Heinz 57, they have no idea what their what breed their dog is. They're all capable of every behavioral issue, they're all capable of biting, biting a human, biting another dog. It's more about the dog's personality, um, what makes them stressed and afraid and how they deal with it, the home environment they're living in, the humans that they're living with, their past experience, there's so many things. That affect that, and often, you know, um, dogs. There can be confusion when there's more than one dog in the home because when a dog is close to between one and three years, and it's different for each dog. Some dogs mature a little faster than others. They're more likely to feel like they should be in charge because they were, if they were a part of a pack in the wild at that age they would be looking around and saying well do we have a capable leader because maybe i should be stepping up to that role um and and then there's so many other things that affect it too you know so some dogs and you know where we're talking about this um ally your your little shih tzu she even though she's small she's mighty and, and her energy is very just big. I mean, it kind of fills up the room. She walks into the room and everyone knows uh, Whereas your dog Gigi? I can feel her energy is very sweet and loving and she doesn't really want a problem and she doesn't Understand how big she is um and How easily it could be for her to hurt Allie so she might be Playing and thinking oh, come on. Let's have a good time and then little Allie being 10 years old Oh my goodness, what are you doing? You're out of control, just leave me alone. I, I don't feel very good in my body and I would just rather everything be quiet, just dial it down everybody. You know, or I enjoyed you petting me for a little while, but I'm done now. <laughs> and so some dogs are just relaxed and easygoing. Um, some dogs are more prone to, and it's not based on their breed, it's based on their personality, who they really are. Some dogs really like to have order. And if they don't see order from their perspective, and it has to be very black and white, not a lot of confusion, um, you know, then they will try to take over and try to tell everybody what to do. So as a pet parent, it's really, really important that all of the humans in the home are on the same page because if you're doing different things, it's going to cause more stress and confusion for the dogs in the home. Um, but, you know, little dogs can feel very big. Um, I've I've got um, one client, um, they're just wonderful. They have um, little Frenchies, French Bulldogs, and Weimaraners. I mean, what a, uh, you know, a contrast. And so um, one of their Weimaraners, she's grown up with the Frenchies, and she feels like she's a Frenchie. So she doesn't understand why she can't just climb up in their lap. And she, you know, she gets herself in these adorable little positions like a little fawn you know (laughs) trying to curl up on their lap and she just has no idea how big she is so some dogs don't they're not spatially aware of their body um and they can be a little bit clumsy and not really realize that it might feel uncomfortable for someone else and others um like Allie it feels like her from her energy that I'm feeling that she she likes everything to be just so and she tolerates affection or interactions on her terms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it needs to be on her terms. And if not, she's going to let you know. Yep.
0: <laughs> um, Pegged her and, to a T. <laughs> and that
1: could be hard for Gigi because she doesn't really understand. And she gets her feelings hurt easily.
0: And Gigi also thinks she's Ali size. She thinks that uh-huh. she's a lap dog as well
1: totally she doesn't she feels like she's a lot smaller than she is and she has no um spatial awareness either she feels um like she doesn't realize how big she is when she wants to climb up um and and that can be really confusing for them you know well i want to sit on your lap like Allie does why can't i get up there (laughs) she's huge (laughs) But it's hard when you don't see that yourself, you know, and you're looking at what the other dog's doing and so I always say, because some people will say, well, we let the little dog up on the couch but not the other, the big dog and I'll say, mm, you really need to let both up on the couch because otherwise it's not fair Then the little dog is higher up and the higher up they are, the higher ranking that they feel and then Allie's more likely to tell Gigi what to do. Um, And it becomes more confusing for Gigi. Um, And sometimes people will say, well, the big dog has so much hair. And so I just recommend, you know, designating a certain blanket. And you lay that blanket down on the couch and then you invite the big dog up and then you have less cleaning to do on the couch. You just throw the blanket in the wash.
0: (laughs) Well, Sarah, Ann, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. It's just been my pleasure, Melissa. There's
1: um, I I just love sharing all this information to help people learn how to really honor and respect and understand their fur babies. Um, You can find out more information at my website, packdynamicsllc.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And if you're interested to find out how Healthy Paws Pet Insurance helps pet parents around the country. You can also visit HealthyPawsPetInsurance.com.
0: All right, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the Blog Cabin. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs) Wow. This was a really eye-opening conversation with Sarah Ann. I was really impressed with her. When I originally booked this episode, I was originally supposed to be with a male trainer um, because they sent, you know, every once in a while, these people send out these press releases and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, this is cool. And Sarah Ann actually is going to come back on and I think we're going to be talking about some of the intuitive things that she does with animals, which I think is going to be really cool. Um, Because honestly, how many times have you actually thought about wonder what my pet's thinking at the moment and she supposedly can do this so i'm curious to see what my little shit sue alley would say because we all know she's got an attitude so i really want to thank you guys for being part of the podcast family um please leave a rating a review and um and subscribe if you can and thank you so much and have a blessed day and remember keep chatting